Um, over here, besides my lovely assistant, actually my boss, Kim, uh, is a whiteboard. And, and a whiteboard in, in business and strategy, uh, people will write things on a whiteboard and you know, let's get a plan together and you write it on a whiteboard. And uh, if, have you ever been in a strategy meeting where the whiteboard is just scribbled and it's, it's all ruined by everybody's thoughts and things? Our hearts are somewhat like a, like a whiteboard that we carry with us all kinds of traffic, all kinds of things from our past, maybe uh, sins and a sense of guilt for things that we, we felt we did wrong. And, and uh, then when you're in a relationship, how many of you know that many people get into new relationships before they've really processed the old one? That's why we tell people, please don't run to the bar to go find the same kind of fish that about sunk the boat the last time. Right? Get, get a clean start. Get, get your heart purified. Get free of that. Don't just have these serial mistakes that you make because you're impatient. And so our lives sometimes, we're just like a, a whiteboard or a blackboard. We feel scribbled upon and we feel just destroyed by that. And all of a sudden, we feel like, wouldn't it be great if we could have a clean slate? A clean board, a clean slate. Can I get over these torments of the past? I've talked to a number of you, and some of you, your biggest battle is you. You just will not forgive yourself Long after Christ has forgiven you, long after people around you have forgiven you, you beat yourself up not knowing that Jesus has given you a clean slate. Well, let's look at what a clean slate means. Because God has provided a great eraser for a tangled web of info on, on the whiteboard of our heart. Cambridge Dictionary has this definition for uh, what it means to have a clean, clean slate. Uh, it's a state in which you are starting an activity or process again, not considering what has happened in the past at all. That's what we call sweet Christian peace, is leave it. Paul said, I was formerly a, man, a, a murderer and an insolent man, but he talks about his future in God. I know it's bad news to hear that. You came in for a dose of religious guilt, but I'm not going to do it. I'm sorry. I'll disappoint you because we're going to help you to have a clean slate. I'm, that's a joke. I mean, German, guys, German guys should never try to tell jokes. Okay. Another definition of a clean slate is clean, free from dirt, marks, or stains, morally uncontaminated, pure, innocent. I really believe that when, when Christ's blood covers us, we have a restored virginity. You know, in the Bible, virginity always speaks of purity, innocence. And, and, and uh, I want to have a virgin spirit daily before the Lord and before the people I, I walk with. That when... When, when I say something dumb and I get jumped, and, and I need to be jumped. If I say something dumb to you, don't feel bad about jumping me. That, that helps me so that I can have a virgin spirit and say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you at all. Okay? 
anyway, some people never offer that, but I have a lot of locked doors and I can get out of town quick, but anyway. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, 16 and following, uh, verses 16 through 18, from the New Living Translation gives us a biblical picture of what I'm describing here. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Isn't it so funny to, to hold people to yesterday's bad news? It's funny, we're so anxious to hold on to the bad news and not accept the good news. Thank you. This is like a, we're doing a teamwork. I talk, you amen, then you talk, I amen. And I don't know what they're doing out there, but are they are? They're cogitating. Okay. You guys are jealous because I've got a groovy, sexy car I'm driving. And we have a living room environment. And you're sitting on those things and your tailbone is aching. So we'll take up an offering for new chairs here right at the end of the meeting. We have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a hu human point of view. How differently we know him now. This is Paul. He's talking about everyone knew Jesus that walked on the earth, and there was so much confusion about who Jesus was, what Jesus was going to do. He was many things to many people. To some people, he was a source of bread and fish. To some people, he was the source of deliverance from demons. For some people, he was the source of healing. For others, he was their Lord and Savior and Master and Disciple. And then when he died, the whole group was confused until after the resurrection, he could explain really what was going on. And at that point on, they saw Jesus in a proper way. And we have to apply that overlay on each other. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become, what's the next words? A new, person. new person. person. Say new person. new person. Okay. When you're born again of God, beside you is an invisible, perfect you. That's who has made peace with God. Hebrews, what is it, 1014 says, by, uh, by one sacrifice, he, Christ, has forever perfected those who are being sanctified or those who are being separated for righteous use. By one sacrifice. When you, when you call on the name of Jesus, it isn't like he puts you on probation or you're on parole. He gives you a brand new, new creation reality. You are a brand new person, but you have to enforce that reality. You have to walk in it and say, you know, yep, that old knucklehead that you really hated, you know what? He really did deserve to be killed. In fact, we drowned him over at the, at the baptismal tank at Joy. And so he went down and he was identified with the death of Jesus and the name of Jesus was put on him through baptism so that he could no longer live for himself but live as a new person in Jesus Christ. So we've all been given a new slate. We've all been given a clean slate. But sometimes Jesus looks and there's a clean slate but see, we're still remembering our own flaws and what's terrible is when you're in toxic relationships where others want to keep you enslaved to yesterday. That's right. 
The old, is, the old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So, and I'm going to finish with this. When you really understand the twofold mission of Jesus, one, he wants to, Father wants to hug you. That's right. One is the loneliest number. One is the, hello guys, man. Coming to Father God is not for being whipped. He'll, he'll discipline you like a loving father because he so cares for you. But day by day, the mercies of God are to hunt you down and hit you with the double shotgun blast of goodness and mercy. And your goal when you start walking with God is not to start legalistically excoriating everybody around you, but it's to let them know, hey, jump in. You are a new person. You don't have to say, hi, I'm Rick, the alcoholic. Hi, I'm, I'm Lulu, the former hooker. You know what? You're a brand new person. Lulu got buried in the baptism. Rick, Rick doesn't have, have a bottle glued to the side of his head. And so the world puts these tags because the world can't clean you up. But Jesus is that great eraser. That's right. Amen. Isn't that good news? Amen. It's so exciting. Drew's going to help me. You know what's interesting in the Bible is, Pastor Steve was talking, one of the things that makes the Bible uh, something that we can really know is true, there's a lot of different reasons. One of the reasons that they stayed is because uh, God literally put the real, whoa, what happened? There you go. The devil did that. The devil did that. <laughs> is that, <laughs> that God put real life people and their, their real issues in there. He didn't sugarcoat it. Now, I don't know about you. Are there things in your life that you would prefer not to have in a book that was going to be around for 2,000 years that people were going to read year after year to go to Pastor Steve's pizza party? Okay. I, you know, it sounds cool. I'd like to be David. I'd like to be, but you know what I really want? My story, like David's in there. And yet his story is in there. And we're, you know, it was interesting because in preparing for this message, I was looking, and we're going to just highlight six really quickly, six people in the Bible whose story, and Jew's going to begin writing some words. I want to give you some words that represent their lives, and maybe you're going to see some of yourself in this. Let's start with this one, lying. Anybody ever had that one on your blackboard? How about murder? Please don't raise your hand if that was because we don't, but murder, uh, depression, fear. Cowardice. How am I doing? Oh, I'm, I got to slow down. Depression. Fear. Cowardice. We'll keep going. Failure. How many have ever had failure? You started out great and it didn't work. It didn't go the way you wanted it. How about pride? How about betrayal? You've either been that one or been or had it done to you. How about immorality? One of our characters. Uh, is King David, and I'll give you some more words in a minute, but I want you to just think about his life. We know him as a hero, and he is a hero, but he was an incredible shepherd to King Phenom that failed miserably, and listen to his story. Most of you know it. He coveted 
one of his dearest friend's wife and committed adultery with her. And if that wasn't enough, he lied to his friend and then what, had his friend murdered. Wow, that's really awesome. (laughs) How about the prophet Elijah? He was an incredible prophet. He had this great day. He had done an incredible ministry. 450 prophets of Baal die as he's in a tremendous, you know, kind of powerful show of God's power over the power of Baal. And then what does he do? He literally runs in fear, goes into a deep depression, and because he's afraid of this, this woman that was the queen, and he literally goes to God and just, and just kind of goes into a pouting session. That's incredible. How many, how many of you have ever done that? That's the prophet Elijah. How about John Mark? If you know in the story in Acts, he went with Paul on his journey, Paul and Barnabas, and he was doing great. He was a young, ambitious, young uh, a leader coming up, and what does he do? It gets hard, the going gets tough, we don't know exactly what happened, but what we do know is he quit, and he went home before the journey was over. So much so, that Paul didn't want to take him on the next trip, and actually had a huge fight with one of his best friends, Barnabas, because he said, this guy is not ready. That was the guy's legacy, that's what was written. Paul the Apostle, Pastor Steve was referencing his, his words, and he was one, we know that he believed he was a great Jew, he was very awesome, but he was very much a, a zealot, he wasn't believing in Jesus, he didn't just take it lightly, he became so angry at Christianity that he went out and was having Christians killed. In most of the cities where he would go and preach later, it's thought that he would have literally people in the congregation that were family members, maybe a widow, of, of what? Because he had had their families killed. He was a persecutor, he was a murderer. How about Peter the disciple, loud, boisterous, I'm for you, Jesus, I'm here, and and Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, and Peter says, I'm with you, I'll never leave you, and he says, Peter, the reality is, you're going to betray me three times, because you just don't have the stuff yet, but I'm going to pray for you, and after you have, you know, got it together, you're going to strengthen your brethren, and Peter's like, no, I would never do that, never, not me. What happened? A few hours later, he's in the... He's in the courtyard where Jesus is being prosecuted, and people say, oh, you were with Jesus. And what does he say? Not me. He literally cusses to kind of make it look even more so that he wasn't with Jesus. And literally, all of a sudden, and have you ever, I can't even imagine going through this. They say Jesus came out. He saw Jesus. He saw, looked him in the eye, and it said Peter went out, wept bitterly. Now, you come back from that one. You come back from that one. And then Rahab the harlot uh, in, the, in the book of Joshua, she was an awesome woman. But how would you like to have your name Rahab the harlot for the next 2,000 years read about? She had a great story. But, I mean, you know, I'd like to have a different title. And that's the thing. Word after word. You can even write that up that we have in reality. But harlot, put that one up there. The scarlet, this big scarlet ass. And that's the thing is that so many of us, you know, we read the Bible and we read it like stories and we don't recognize. God put those stories in there for a purpose. Why? To let us know that he, the Bible says everything happened for our example. To let us know that he's the one that knows the reality of who we are. You know, sometimes I think we're like, I remember my kids when they were little and they did something wrong and they, did, they wanted to hide. And so, you know, somebody, have you ever seen a kid like this? And they think you can't see them because their eyes are squinted. You, ever, you know, and I think sometimes we're like that with God. You don't know who I am, or we do even worse, and we run and we hide from the only person that can ever do what? Can ever take the, the eraser and actually wipe our slate clean. Can take our failures, can take our fears, can take our depression. Or maybe we have murdered someone. Maybe we haven't murdered someone physically, but the hate in our heart. 
the lying. You know, sometimes I remember going through a situation, um, it was a number of years ago, and Steve and I had been had some financial issues, and, and I remember sitting before God, and I remember literally in my prayer time being afraid to ask God to help us because it had been our fault. It had been our fault. We had been unwise in some things, and you know, it wasn't criminal or anything, but I remember just sitting there and praying about different things, and yet it was heavy on my heart, and I remember finally God just asking me, if your kids mess up on something, do you just reject them? Do you just leave them in their mess? What do you do? Well, I, I try to help them. They're my kids. I love them. He said, what kind of parent do you think I am? And I remember just going, oh, that's right. I'm your daughter. You love me. You don't just, and see, this is the thing, as I was praying about today, I want you to understand, God doesn't just wipe away the sins that we did and we didn't know any better. He wipes away the sins that we knew better. How many have ever done something you knew you shouldn't do? it. And that's great news. That's great news. You know, as we start this series, because so many times as we talk about family or we talk about relationships, we talk about building a life, I think, I don't know about you, but sometimes you can feel like I've messed up so much. I've started, stopped, started, stopped, started, stopped so many times that it's just not worth even starting again. Because how can God Take this mess. Can I tell you what? God is the God of not second chances, but third, fourth, at the Bible. God is incredible. The God who says we're supposed to forgive 70 times seven, guess what? That's just getting started for him. And the good news today, as you, Pastor Steve, in just a minute, is going to share some steps with you, but I want to read two passages of Scripture really quick that were spoken by two of these failures that I talked about. One was David, one was Paul. And I want you to hear in their words how they came back. See, failure isn't fatal. Failure isn't fatal. I want you to say that with me. Failure isn't fatal. The only way that failure, and they're going to put this quote up, the only way that failure can get the last word in our life is if we choose to let it. God is able to take our defeats, our mistakes, our sins, our failures, and completely wipe this slate clean. Completely. Brand new, brand new, brand new. This is how he does it. Listen to David. Have mercy, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. See, David felt it. He felt the stain. He felt the mark. Can you even imagine your best friend's wife, your best friend? How do you come back from that? If there's not a solvent like the blood of Jesus that washes you clean. You know, I, I feel, and I know Pastor Steve feels that for you today, God's compassion is here. God's compassion is here. Not just for those that maybe have never received Christ, but for those of us maybe that have known Christ for a long time, and yet there's things in our heart, and we go, God, how do I come back? You can't come back alone. But we come back with this heart. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me, it is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. 
Oh, give me back my joy again. You've broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. And I love these words. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit in me. Don't banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit. This was a prayer of David. Can you imagine? God, I just need a clean heart again. I remember what it felt like when I was out in the fields and I was worshiping you. And I never, in all a million years, everything you saved me from, everything you delivered me from, you never left me. And I was so stupid. I was so stupid. And I've opened doors to things in my family now of immorality and murder and treachery and lying. But he didn't run, he didn't hide, he didn't squint his eyes. He cried out these words, please God, create in me a clean heart. Give me back that, that spirit that I had once with you. Don't banish me from your presence. God is not the one that banishes us. He brings us back. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Wow. Paul said this, I don't mean to say that I've already attained these things, that I've already reached perfection. That's pretty good. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I forget the past and I look forward to what lies ahead. I forget the past. I look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. You know, the same God that restored David and Elijah the prophet and Rahab the harlot and Paul and Peter and John Mark and person after person, the same God is here to restore every one of us and give us that clean slate. You know, the Bible talks how about the, the mercies of God are new every morning. So every day you can start out with that fresh, clean slate. And instead of having to always, but the cool thing is, see, I want to get to the point where I'm not every day having to do this eraser thing, but we're going to be learning in the next weeks with our tools. There's a whole bunch of new things God wants to write on your blackboard. And as you come back in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about those. Because see, fear and depression and betrayal and immorality and all these things, that's the past. But God has a brand new life for you, like Pastor's been talking about. He wants to build a tower, but, but he can't start building that in our life when, the, when the, we haven't let him press that reset button, when we haven't walked in that repentance and that forgiveness and let him cleanse us. Let me read this quote, and then Pastor Steve's going to share with you a few points on how, how we do this. The first step towards getting somewhere is to decide you're not going to stay where you are. That's the thing for today. You have to decide, am I going to stay where I am or am I going to move forward into the, the powerful, beautiful future that God has? Wow, she did well. Let's give her a hand. Once Kim starts teaching, it's like, just keep going. <laughs> well, we're going to finish up here by looking at three steps that we can, uh, we can take right now to, toward getting a clean slate. And the first step is to admit that you need help. Uh, that Christianity requires humility because it can't be purchased, it can't be uh, kidnapped, it can't be negotiated. 
It's offered as a free gift, and only those who can admit they have a need for the Savior can have Christianity. And even as a Christian, if there's an area where your, your blackboard or your slate and your uh, whiteboard is messed up, you have to be able to admit that area. And uh, we don't have public confessions where people come up and they confess to all of us all their flaws and stuff. Uh, I really am one that likes to confess most of my stuff before the Lord, especially the bad stuff. You know, how many of you know that sweet private prayer is a great place to really get unburdened? And, but I've got to start it with admission before the Lord. Lord, I'm here. And I need to, A, be saved. Uh, two, I need to get over this vice or this hounding, nagging thought that makes me meaner than a junkyard dog or whatever you're dealing with. You, you have to have the humility to first admit it. And uh, that's what happened with all those people who had, who finished their life, even with, with uh, stains on their life, as far as historically, but like David and Rahab and, and the various ones, all of them had to come to admit what they had done. Number two, you've got to accept the eraser that God provides. I've looked at the difference between deliverance that Jesus brings and where most secular counseling and, cel and secular therapy uh, groups go, most of the time they teach you how to cope. Right. Jesus teaches you how to conquer. Right. And the difference is only in the power that's provided. See, coping is just me trying to marshal the best of what I can marshal out of me, whereas when I call on the name of Jesus, I'm way past what I can do. I'm saying, God, deliver me now from alcohol. Lord, deliver me now from drug addiction. Lord, I, I, I need the eraser of the blood of Jesus, the atonement to cover my guilty conscience and, and, and make me a new person. And I need the eraser of Jesus' forgiveness so that he will rewire me. You spend your life just going through study after study to fi figure out why, why you're an alcoholic, or you can just come to the eraser and say, I'm a screwed up mess, and, and that's pretty much it. Here's the computer, fix it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So number one, admit. Number two, accept the eraser that God provides. And number three is to advance with a new blackboard. Now, and that's what we're going to be handling in the next weeks. See, uh, I know that there are many, many churches that you go week after week after week, and they teach you how to accept the mercy of God. Uh, how many of you love the mercy of God? Okay. I mean, I love my wife being merciful to me. But I, I want to spend most of my time with Kim not needing mercy because I'm bringing something to the table. Right? There's got to come a time when I'm not tracking mud in on the kitchen floor. There's got to be a time when I take the garbage out all the time. There's got to be a time when I really become a good father. That's not the mercy zone. That's the grace zone. I'm build, God is building something in my life. And that's what we want you to do is to have your whiteboard filled with vision for your future, for your family, for your business, for our country. I know it's depressing to think of like something good really happening. I don't want to spend my, my, my whiteboard time just looking at, at things that are already under the blood of Jesus and were beyond my, in many cases, they are beyond my purview back when they happened. 
A lot of things happen to people. People are born in homes where maybe there's an abuse going on and, and there was screaming and yelling and violence and drugs and alcohol and this and that. You can't go back and, 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 and refix mama's house or you can't go back and, 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 and fix your past other than make it new through Jesus, get the whiteboard cleansed and then put new programming that God has because you're a new creation. You're a new creation. If we could, could we all stand up? It's kind of like not fair. You guys stand and I remain seated. Uh, henceforth, I'll be, no, be known as Bhagwan Shri Schmelzer. Uh, no. Uh, I had surgery in case some of you are, many of, some of your visitors, and uh, I just, I had some surgery, so I'm not supposed to put a lot of pressure on this one foot while the foot does what it does. And when it's done, I'll be an Oregon duck for sure. No, I'm just teasing. Week after week, we give an opportunity for people to join God. See, that seems like a bold thing. You mean join God? What do, you, what do you mean by join God? Well, God has done everything to join us. I really think that God's interest in the universe was primarily to delight us. Because he can make cool galaxies. You know, he created the heavens and earth in six days. And then once man got here, he's been spending 6,000 plus years trying to cure us. We're, we're much more demanding than, than the universe because he loves us. He gave us this planet as our home that we could live on this planet and love and invest our time and work and enjoy the fruit of our labors and the foods and things that we enjoy. So God said, I want to join you by doing these great things. And then sin separates us from God. And he said, I can't live with my creation being separated by sin. He said, I've got to come to them. And Jesus came. The fullness of God was in the man Jesus. The fullness of the Godhead bodily. And he walked among us and he was perfect. And Jesus didn't come around accusing everybody, pointing fingers. He did with the people who were self-righteous. But he found that many sinners and people that knew they were lost, they knew they were lost. And he said, here's the way, here's the pathway, here's the highway of holiness. And Jesus recruited people, and he still is. And so the Bible says, if you'll call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. What's it mean to be saved? It's what I read in 2 Corinthians 5.17. If you're in Christ, you're a brand new person. I don't know about you, I needed to be a brand new person, not a makeover, not a patch. Not, not a little adjustment. Man, I messed things up. I needed a new life. How many of you needed a new life when you came to Jesus? And you do that by just calling on his name. You may say, well, I don't know a lot about God. Hey, I thought I knew a lot about women until I got married and I found out I knew very little. But I was informed because I had a comforter with me. And that's what God gives us. When we, when, we, when we respond to the goodness and the call of God and say, Lord, I, I want you in my life, he gives us the Holy Spirit to walk with us and instruct us. Your sins are immediately cleansed. 
You are made to be a perfect person who needs to learn how to walk in it. But there is no guilt. There's no court in heaven that holds an indictment against you from that point on. You're free in Jesus Christ. So right now, I'd like all of you that came here, and I know there's a number of you. You came here, you're looking, and you're thinking about, man, you know, I'm kind of thinking this God thing looks cool. Well, come join. Come down here and say, hey, I want to I join God right now. Come on, where are you? No pride, no pride in the house. Meaning, you know, I'd sure hate it if my wife was embarrassed to come down on my wedding day or our wedding day. If you're here and you need Jesus, you say, I need, I need to be forgiven. Ask people next to you. Say, hey, have you taken that step? Today's a good day to become a brand new person. So I'll say it in German. Come on down here fast. You know. Hallelujah. Now, we don't have, we don't own the entrance to heaven. And so you can call on the Lord in your car. You can call on the Lord out in the mountains, wherever you may be. But always remember this message. The eraser is the power of Jesus. And good luck on just total self-help. Good luck. Because I think that's why so many people are frustrated. They need a new life in Jesus. How many of you believers say, you know what? I, I through guilt and stuff, I let my whiteboard get really nastily filled in. Any hands raised say that you're a little guilt prone? Okay, where's Cindy's hand? I'm looking for my sister. Get your hand up. Get both of them up. Yeah. She and I talk about it. You know, if we don't have something, we, we'll take other people's guilt. Yeah, I did it. I kidnapped the Lindbergh baby, you know. I'm the Unabomber, you know. Let me just say this, that a lot of times we, we, we die to a lot of our life because we don't get over feeling. I want to pray a pastoral prayer over you. Lord, I thank you that you're the great shepherd that walks among your sheep. When I think of you and your attitude towards your people, I just feel this yearning. You yearn for us, your sheep. You yearn. You love us. You convey away our sin as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those that fear him. I pray that there would be a vacuuming out of guilt and shame, a vacuuming out, and, and, and the Holy Spirit would come with the angels and wipe away the whiteboard of our hearts, Lord. I pray that fresh vision fresh relationships. Lord, renew our relationships, Lord, so we're not holding it over each other's head in our marriage or with our kids. But Lord, I pray that you would just visit this house with a virgin spirit, Lord. Let it be real. Let it be fresh, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless your people. Bless your house. In Jesus' name, amen.